Saturdays with Jenny on Kaya 959 on the street on the air. Well, here we are, and uh, it's light because uh, it is daylight, but as soon as the dark comes, it is exceedingly dark, and uh, I've got things all over my house so that, that when the lights go out, the lights, you know, I just switch them on and they come on and uh, and then charge them the next day because I don't know when it's going to happen again because I, I actually don't trust what is happening. And uh, so my lights last night got everything organized, early bath, etc., etc. They didn't go off, but... But who's to say that they won't go off today? So I think that there is chaos all over the place. I think it's very, very worrying. And there are also stories going around about the government having already signed a contract to bring in two power ships to, um, I think it's Durban and I think it's Cape Town. And I want to find out more about this because it's not it's not ringing good to me. And joining us on the line is Chris Yelland and a power expert. And Chris, I mean, <laughs> I seem to have been speaking to you for at least 10 years uh, about the same thing, about the lights going out. And the, it, it is not getting any better. And that's what worries me. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it all started in 2008 uh, when you remember the first load shedding and the whole of the mining industry had to shut down as a result. And between then and now, we've had intermittent load shedding on and off almost uh, nonstop. Uh, And uh, we're told that it's going to happen at least for the next two years. Uh, That's what Eskim say. It's not what I'm saying. Um, It could go on uh, even longer um, if one would really analyze the situation. But, yeah, we've kind of come to live with this uh, and almost accept it as the new normal. But it's not normal. Uh, It's anything but normal. Mm. And there is things that we can do about it if we get down to it and tackle these problems methodically, uh, rationally, uh, using science and engineering to deal with the problems Uh, and move away from uh, ideological positions that the government sometimes seems trapped in. So in other words, I was thinking, because I knew I was going to be speaking to you, that we've got to approach it in the same way that other countries, as well as our own, have mostly followed science in dealing with COVID. And if we don't follow science in dealing, I mean, my father was an electrical engineer. I mean, he, you know, you, (laughs) there were systems and you followed the systems and they were, you know, they were looked after as well. So I I can't, imagine why we are not listening to the science and the scientists in terms of what is happening in South Africa at the moment. Yeah, I I agree. There is a systematic way of dealing with these things. Uh, One's just got to get down to it and uh, put aside preconceived notions. Also put aside the way we've been doing things in the past, because the world of electricity and the world of energy is radically changing. Uh, I mean, we're experiencing a pace of change at the moment in the energy sector that is quite startling because it is normally a very slow-moving uh, process. Uh, but in the last five years, the world of energy has been turned on its head. And the very approach to power generation, which is in the past known as baseloadism, you had what is known as baseload generation, mid-minute merit, merit generation, and peaking plant. And you use these three different types of generation in order to meet a demand for electricity, which is not constant, it varies during the day, during the morning and the evening. It varies on weekdays and weekends. It varies between summer and winter. And, and this baseload, mid-merit and peaking approach was the way it was done for 100 years. But it's not done that way anymore. 
In the new modern world, baseload electricity is no longer the cheapest electricity. Baseload electricity, in fact, can be the most expensive. And one therefore must move away from supplying baseload electricity as the majority of your electricity because it is the most expensive uh, in today's world. And one's got to look to the new world of what is known as flexible generation, where flexible generation uh, is, is actually the most important component of the generation mix. Uh, and it's important because the cheapest way of generating electricity now is from renewable energy, which mm. is variable. So in order to counter the variability of renewable uh, energy generation, you need flexible generation to fill the gaps, uh, to uh, fill the troughs and to cover the peaks. And unless you can supply this flexible generation, you can't take advantage of this very cheap renewable energy that has now become available. So, so Chris, just for people who, who are not aware of what, of what you're talking about, I know that when I lived in England, we all put on our washing machines at night and it was after, I think it was usually after eight o'clock. So if you had loads of washing machines, you, you, you did it at night and uh, during the day it became prohibitively expensive. So you had to just plan, but I mean, everybody did it. So it was a system. That's exactly what you're talking about. Well, this is one of the tools in the toolbox of dealing with uh, variable uh, demand for electricity. Uh, it's called demand response, where you put in place incentives to use electricity at, 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 at certain times of the day. Now, there's a thing called a time of use tariff, where the price of electricity varies depending whether the time of the day, whether it's a weekend, whether it's a holiday, uh, whether it's summer and whether it's winter. And large customers are on what is known as time of use tariffs. So they are incentivized uh, to use electricity at night when, uh, uh, you know, when the, the system is running at a light uh, load. Uh, but in South Africa, for reasons which are quite beyond me, because we've been talking about it for 15 years, even more. The concept of time of use uh, electricity pricing at a domestic level we, doesn't exist, uh, not in South Africa. We have what is known as a flat rate, which means your price in, in rands per kilowatt hour does not vary depending on the time of day in any way. So there is no incentive financial incentive on the domestic user to uh, stop using electricity between five o'clock and seven o'clock in the evening and rather use electricity at night after nine o'clock or after eight o'clock. And you've talked about washing machines and these sort of things. Swimming pool pump motors could all run at night rather than during the day, you know, when business needs electricity. So by putting in place some simple time of use tariffs, there are meters that are available for this very purpose. Uh, one could change the pattern. And you know, at the moment in winter, the problem is the evening peak. Between about five o'clock in the evening and about seven o'clock in the evening, when everybody comes home, does their cooking, takes a bath, um, that's when demand for electricity peaks. And if you could just incentivize people away from that uh, peak, uh, one may uh, easily uh, save a stage of load shedding, but that's just one of many tools in the toolbox that are available if you attack, if you approach this problem systematically. All right, I want to talk about these power ships. So we're going to take a short break right now, and uh, and of course, don't forget you're listening to Kaya959. We're chatting to Chris Yellen. If you've got any great questions, do give us a call and uh, and we'll see if we can fit you in because I've got loads of questions that I want to ask and the power ships are, are high on my list of questions to be answered. Chris Yellen will help us there. 
Saturdays with Jenny on Kaya 959 on the street, on the air. And we're chatting to energy expert Chris Yelland. So Chris, we can go back to that and why we don't have all sorts of things which we should have and could have. I want to talk about these power ships because why do I think of nuclear power stations and deals being signed in secret in Russia? I think, to be fair, uh, there has been a public um, procurement process. Uh, You may remember the Minister of Mineral Resource and Energy uh, issued an inquiry um, for what is known as the risk mitigation IPP process. So this is intended uh, to meet a short-term shortfall uh, in electricity supply uh, through uh, the provision of uh, of projects that are quick to deliver and of relatively short duration uh, that can fill this emergency gap. So that was what the original idea of the uh, RMIPPP, the Risk Mitigation IPP program was, and uh, inquiries were issued, a request for proposal, uh, bids came in, but they changed a lot of the rules of the, uh, you know, from the original concept. So, uh, for example, instead of this being a short-term emergency measure, it turns out to be a 20-year program. Mm. Uh, instead of, uh, you know, requiring a, a high local content uh, to to help uh, reindustrialize South Africa, it turns out that two-thirds of this uh, program is being del- is, has been awarded to a company that's going to import the fuel 100%, the so-called liquid natural gas. It's going to import the, the power ships from Turkey. They're never going to be owned in South Africa. They're never built in South Africa. They just leased uh, to South Africa. It's like renting a power station. Uh, it's parked in the harbors for 20 years. It occupies a very valuable harbor space. It generates a lot of carbon emissions and other pollution, creates a lot of noise. And really, it's not the right solution to rent a power plant for 20 years uh, to fill a short-term emergency gap. It's just the wrong approach. Just to give an analogy, you know, if a company, uh, you know, is in a bit of a crisis and they need a car for a few weeks, the best option is to go to Avis and rent a car for a few weeks. But if you need a car for 20 years, you do not rent a car from Avis for 20 years. It's just too expensive. Better you buy your own car, better you enter into a service agreement with the uh, supplier, a maintenance plan, uh, and you uh, operate your car, you look after it, you treat it with kid gloves, you own the car. It's an asset in South Africa. Uh, these uh, power ships are never going to be an asset owned in South Africa. They are simply a rented car in that analogy. Uh, and uh, it comes at a premium price. Uh, it's a kind of thing that you should not do. And all the profits, of course, go out of the country, I suppose. That's it's, it's, it's the like same e-tolls. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly, exactly the like same. E-tolls. All the profit and the money is not a mm-hmm. part of indigenous South African uh, industry. It's all goes out of the country. There is uh, maybe a few dividends left over for the local shareholders of the independent power producer. But the real money is in the fuel, the fuel for 20 years that you import. There's serious money involved there because, in fact, if you look at the tariff that was bid by the successful bidder, one rand fifty a kilowatt hour, of that one rand fifty per kilowatt hour of electricity that they're going to generate, one rand of the one rand fifty, that's two thirds of that price represents the price of fuel Mm. (laughs) that is fully imported. So two-thirds of that money is going to the people that supply the fuel uh, imported. And then the other third is largely made up 
of the rental of the ships, which is money that is all going out of the country to Turkey. And what little crumbs are left under the table might uh, go out uh, to the local shareholders, of which 49% are local and uh, 51% are foreign as well. So the majority of the dividends goes overseas as well. This is not in the interest of South Africa. Let's go to Roger. Hi there, Roger. Not so much a question, but really um, to ask Chris about time of use. Now, I live in a uh, 16 unit complex in four ways, and we're on Eskom Direct, and they charge us per time of use. And so, in fact, it is available to ordinary residences. However, it is a snare and delusion because uh, there could be as many as 11 line items on the Eskom invoice three of which are for availability. And as I say, we're in a 16-unit complex, and before we consume a single kilowatt hour, we have to pay 9,400 rand in availability charges. Goodness. It is absolutely terrible. Yeah. Chris, I don't know if you've got a comment on that. Yeah, look, uh, if you're a complex, uh, it's not really like a domestic consumer. Uh, a, a, a complex is like a bulk buyer. They're buying in bulk from the municipality, so they're on a different tariff. But a normal domestic user at a home who's got his own house, he's got his, his electricity supply from city power, there is no time of use tariff uh, for that individual user. Uh, yes, uh, I think the, the, the reader makes an important point about so-called fixed charges, uh, you know, on your on the bill of um, of, of medium uh, commercial customers or uh, fixed uh, components, uh, so that even if you don't use any electricity per month, uh, you lose pay a certain amount uh, for the privilege of being connected to the grid because they have to make a certain amount of supply capacity available to you if and when you need it. That costs money. So there's nothing wrong in my mind of having a fair fixed tariff, which covers the fixed cost, whether or not you use electricity, there's a fixed cost in in making sure that you have got a supply available. There's a fixed cost in reading your meter, uh, whether you use electricity or not. So it is important that uh, that tariffs be properly reflective of the real costs involved. But um, these fixed costs should not be used as a way of disincentivizing uh, people for installing their own generation capacity, uh, which is really what is, seems to be happening at the moment. Yes. Because if you install your own generation capacity, which will reduce your energy that you draw from the, the supply, in other words, it reduces your variable costs, you are still left with, uh, the, the, you have to pay the fixed cost. So if they put the fixed cost too high, it really disincentivizes the use of own uh, generation in the form of PV or self-generation. Okay, so because time is sort of galloping towards us, what should we be looking for? What should we be pressing for? I gather that this these ships, is it is it actually a done deal? Is it finite? No, it's definitely not a done deal and it may never happen. Before these projects can actually start building, you have to achieve what is known as financial closure. Uh, financial closure is when the banks decide that they all the paperwork is in line and um, they, they, they extend the money. They give you the money uh, that you're borrowing in order to build the plant. So until financial closure is, it happens, this is not a done deal. Now, in order to achieve financial closure, there's a whole lot of processes that have to be gone through. For example, you've got to get an environmental uh, authority uh, from the Department of uh, forestry, fisheries, and the environment. Uh, you've also got to get um, uh, permissions from the ports to moor these ships in their harbors. It's not a trivial matter. and certainly not a done deal. Uh, you need to sign a so-called power purchase agreement with Eskom because Eskom is going to be the buyer of this power. Mm. And if Eskom feel that this is not a good deal, uh, they might not want to sign a power purchase agreement. Uh, so there are these hurdles. They've got to go through them. 
And in the meantime, there have been, uh, there is now a legal challenging process, as well as two complaints that have been lodged to the Department of Forestry, Fisheries and Environment, which really lay the ground for, for legal challenges. The banks will not extend the money if there are legal challenges in progress. So, so that's another hurdle that's got to get through. So sort of to sum up, what we should be pushing for is solar, solar panels on every single house and dwelling in South Africa. That is what we that's, should be doing. That's part of it, not just on homes, on uh, factories, yes. on uh, warehouses, on parking lots, on mines, on farms, etc. That is the only way we're going to meet the short-term needs of South Africa in terms of electricity, sufficient electricity, for the next one year to 18 months to two years. Of course, there are longer-term solutions, but in the short term, we have to unlock uh, customers from become, to become part of the solution in South Africa. At the moment, all the eggs are in the hands of ESCOM. Okay. Listen, Chris, thank you very much indeed for answering all sorts of questions. And, uh, and thank you very much indeed for your time on a busy Saturday, a, a chilly Saturday morning. Chris Yellen, thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny. Saturdays with Jenny, every Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m. On Kaya 959, on the street, on the air.